Would you just pray with me? Ask God to touch your pastor today. Father, I need your touch today. Uh, I don't mind, Lord, in front of this, my family, to say to you, Lord, that uh, I have a heavy heart. But God, I know that you have directed, redirected, actually, these thoughts and these next few moments together. So, Lord, with your anointing and with your spirit and with your power, we will be, we will be successful sending your word forth, and it will touch the hearts of your people. And we thank you and we praise you for this blessing in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. It was all planned out. <clears throat> Even with all the craziness of the week, I was coming in and finishing up the message yesterday that I was sure was for today. But when I woke up yesterday morning, something was different. I stumbled to the bathroom to get ready and picked up my electric razor and started singing. Since I met this blessed Savior, And since he cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise him. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. He touched me. Oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul, something happened, and now I know he touched me. And made me whole. I can attest it's hard to shave with an electric razor when you're emotional. Then I came to the sanctuary, and all I could think of was the heartbreak across our church family and across our county just in the last week. But coupled with that, the Holy Spirit reminded me of all the times that Jesus just simply touched people. Some of it was sought after, some of it he initiated. I went to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 3 and I saw where Jesus simply was coming down the mountain. And a man with leprosy fell down and worshipped him. Now the scripture doesn't say what the man said. I don't know if the man called him master, lord, messiah, king. But in the process of worshipping Jesus, 
He said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus simply put forth his hand and he touched him. And from that moment, from that moment, he was cleansed. Jesus touched him. Jesus touched me today. Jesus touched me today. That's my prayer. It wasn't long after that that Jesus was in Peter's house. And his mother-in-law was laying there with a deathly fever. And Jesus walked over and he simply touched her hand. And as soon as he laid hand on her hand, her fever immediately left her. Her hand was the entry point for the virtue of Jesus. And it coursed through her body until her fever was broken. A little further down the dusty road, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 29, we read of two blind men. And these two blind men somehow are following Jesus. They're following him, and they're blind. I don't know if someone's helping them. The scripture doesn't say. But they're following him. And he goes into a house, and they followed him inside of the house. And the Bible says that when they went inside the house, he turned to both of them. He touched both of their sets of eyes. And he said, according to your faith, May it be done unto you, and their eyes were open. <laughs> All he did was touch their eyes. There's something certainly to be said that when you follow Jesus, like those two blind men did, you can expect Jesus' touch upon your life in ways that you have never dreamed or imagined. But I would also say don't be careless with your faith and assume the touch of Jesus will always be there. And I would just stop here and say, if you have not, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching online, would you consider following Jesus today? Would you consider doing exactly like those blind men, and going with him wherever he goes. If he goes into the wilderness, Jesus, I'll follow you. If you travel down the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem, Jesus, I'll follow you. Jesus, if you walk up Memorial uh, or up Main Street or down Route 11, Jesus, I am going to follow you. For I tell you, when you follow Jesus, you make yourself a candidate for the touch of Jesus. We see that Jesus has touched hands and fever has left. And Jesus has touched sets of eyes and they have been opened. A leper has experienced the touch and subsequently the miracle of the Lord. Now, I don't understand everything about the sovereignty of God and how God works. I wish sometimes I had more rationale and understanding as to how God works. But we look, we look over in Luke chapter 22 and we find someone that is not only not seeking 
for a touch from Jesus. But he's part of a band and a clan that is out to arrest Jesus, to beat Jesus, to kill Jesus, part of a contingent that will crucify Jesus. But in the midst of his agenda, along with the rest of so many on that dark, fateful night, he himself incurs a tragedy when his own ear is severed from the side of his head. He didn't know that night, but that man needed a touch from Jesus. He didn't know that night. He didn't ask for it. But thanks be unto God because of the grace and the mercy and the unconditional love of Jesus Christ, he received a touch from Jesus. Jesus simply reached down into the dirt and into the dust and picked up his right ear and gently reattached it to his head. The hemorrhaging stopped, and you would have thought that would have had discontinued the arrest and discontinued the madness when everyone would have stood there. But wickedness and evil prevailed even into the heart of that young man, and the arrest and subsequent crucifixion continued. And I don't know. I would like to think at some point in the future that servant of the high priest, at some point he believed in Jesus because he surely felt the touch of Jesus. Can I tell you sinners that are connected with people in this church, sinners across this county have felt the touch of Jesus this week. Then I was taken to Mark chapter 7. And i got to be honest with you, and I've read many of the miracles of Christ and studied them and preached them, but this one seems to be bathed in obscurity. You read in Mark chapter 7 where a man is deaf, but he also has an impediment with his speech. So he can garble and, and bring forth sounds, but they're unintelligible. And I imagine that him being deaf has probably contributed to the unintelligible and unintelligible sounds that come forth from his mouth. And, and I, I tried to envision this week as I, was, as I was praying about this yesterday, what a frustrating and exasperating life. You cannot hear, and then the words that you try to communicate are nothing but grunts and groans and, and hardly interpretive. But thanks be unto God, one day Jesus came through. And you know what he did? He literally walked up to the man, and he took his finger and put them into both of his ears and he spit. He put his fingers in his ears and then he spit and touched his tongue. And as he touched his ears and as he touched his tongue, Jesus said these words, be open, <laughs> be open. And immediately, the man was able to hear. And the Bible says that not only were his ears open, but the string of his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly. I'm telling you, when Jesus does a touch from on high, and he ministers to your life, he doesn't do a halfway job. He just didn't heal his hearing, but he touched his speech. He just didn't touch his speech, but he healed his hearing. We serve a complete God who is a great healer and miracle worker and his language became understandable and his ears began to hear all because he experienced the touch of Jesus. The children needed, they needed the touch, the physical touch of Jesus. 
And somehow their parents, their aunts and uncles, their grandparents, they knew it. Maybe it was the neighbor. Maybe the parents weren't interested in this Jesus, but the neighbors were, and they said, you know what, can I borrow your youngin' for a little while? I want to take him on a little trip, and, and I want to just take him across town. I'll bring him back safe. And the Bible says they brought young children to him, and the reason they brought young children to him is so that he would be able to touch them. And the disciples were absolutely overwhelmed. They were terrified by hearing the audible voice of God. They heard it thunder out of heaven. They cowered in fear and in awe and in reverence on their face. Maybe they were thinking Jewish history had told them that their forefathers, when God thundered out of Sinai, the people of Israel said to Moses, Moses, don't let God talk to us or ask God not to talk to us. We can't handle it. We'll all die. You talk to God. Uh, you talk to us on God's behalf because we can't handle all the thunderings and the smoke and the lightning that was coming out of Mount Sinai. And maybe those disciples were having a flashback of all the stories that they had heard from the children of Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai. They had seen Jesus transfigured and they had seen God. They had heard God's voice out of heaven and they saw Moses and maybe it bring back and they cowered down in fear and, and they cowered down in, in reverence like you wouldn't believe. They didn't know what to do. And the Bible says in verse 7, and Jesus came and he touched them. He touched Peter. He touched James. He touched John. I know you're overcome with fear. And you're overcome in light, uh, with uncertainty in light of the event that you just have experienced. And maybe Peter, James, and John, you're overcome with the pressures of life. And now this overwhelming moment. I mean, they had just had a great revelation. They had just had an encounter with God, with Jesus, with the Spirit of God, the glory of God that would forever mark them. But what they needed to continue was a touch from Jesus. What they needed to go down the mountain and to face a boy that was demon-possessed was a touch from Jesus. I came today, and I'll be honest with you, I... I I pray and I ask God, God, peel back the layers of Scripture. Give me a revelation I've never seen before. Give me something to share with your people that will, will charge and challenge their hearts and will build excitement and enthusiasm about the Word of God. But I'm telling you, when I came today, I didn't come with a new revelation from the Bible, but I did come with a directive from the Holy Spirit. And I sensed the Spirit say to me, the people today in the house of God just need a touch from Jesus. Tell my people I want to touch them today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus touched hands and he touched ears and he touched eyes and he touched tongues and he, he touched leprosy and he touched his fearful disciples and he touched the little children and I am here to say, Jesus, I need you to touch me. I need you to touch all of me. He 
You know, I was riding in a very long procession on Friday up Memorial Drive and down Route 11. It never gets old the last three years and three months. You know I'm a transplant from the city, and when I, when I see the absolute respect for one who has passed and for family and friends that are grieving, when I watched probably 100 cars between here and Dublin pulled over, some of them stopped right in the middle of the road. I don't know how safe that was, but they stopped right in the inside lane. They were determined they weren't going to be the only ones respecting anybody coming behind them was going to have to stop too. I'm telling you, when you come from Richmond and Fredericksburg and Hampton Roads, you don't see that kind of respect. You don't see that kind of reverence. I'm telling you, it just, it just moved me. There was no interruptions, just reverence for the one that had passed. It was smooth. But do you know Jesus interrupted a funeral procession? <laughs> a man had died, and in Luke 7, 15, <laughs> and all Jesus did was he just, he just kind of walked over there and just kind of laid hands on the coffin. He never even touched the man physically. He just touched the coffin. <laughs> he just touched the environment he was in. Don't you despair. Don't you give up the environment that your children are in, your grandchildren are in. It, it's probably much like a coffin, but I'm telling you, just as much as Jesus touches the person, he can also touch the environment that they're in. He can lay hands on the coffin. They're, they're just dead men walking. They're basically in a coffin of their own, but I'm telling you the Jesus that I serve that can touch a body and heal blinded eyes and unstop deaf fear. I'm telling you, Mom and Dad, don't you get I feel the Holy Ghost. Don't you give up. I'm telling you, you make them front and center during this 21-day fast, and don't you be surprised when Jesus walks by and says, you know what? I'm going to interrupt this procession. They're on their way to death, but I am the resurrection and the life, and I'm just going to lay my hands on the coffin. I'm going to lay my hands on the environment and I'm going to see them sit up and I'm going to restore them back to the Lord and back to their family. My God, I feel him in this place. Finally, I would say to you that Jesus touches wholly and completely. Give the keyboard to a couple of singers if I could. Matthew 9, 25. There's a 12-year-old girl. She's dead. She's deceased. Gone from this world. But Jesus goes in and he touches the shell of her body. Spirit and soul is already gone. It's just the body laying there. He goes over and touches her. And with the touch, 
her soul and spirit that has gone on suddenly is called back from the spirit realm back from the unseen her flesh begins to wax warm heart starts beating blood started pumping liver started purifying kidneys started up after they had been shut down the lungs started breathing eyes were open ears heard again nose inhaled lungs exhaled lips started moving tongues started talking all because Jesus touched her took her by the hand and said Telitha Kumai which means maiden I say unto thee arise body, soul, and spirit reunited. Her teenage years are given back to her. Her young adult years are restored. She can now look forward to getting married and having children and grandchildren all because of the touch. (laughs) Jesus Touch me today. Can I just be very personal and raw this morning? In one week time, in our family, and I consider you my family. Jeremy and Tasha have buried his father. Tim and Patty have lost their 31-year-old son. Cindy has lost her brother. Joyce Hedge buried her beloved sister, Mary. One of our elderly brothers fell in violently and broke his shoulder. One of our dear sisters was diagnosed with cancer of the lymph nodes. Granny Andrews, Randy's precious mother, is about to take her heavenly journey she can only wave at them through a plexiglass window. Mike's mom and dad, Lucy and Doug, are in and out of the hospital battling COVID. What an emotional roller coaster. Mama Jean bid farewell to her very best friend yesterday. Janet Frost, granddaddy, just went home to be with the Lord. And just a few days ago, her grandmother fell had to have surgery, and I'm not even sure, after 60-plus years by each other's side, if she was ever able to get home to be with him to say goodbye. Doug and Jan Burchett sat there so peacefully the other day, yet so heartbroken, as just a few hours earlier in the wee hours of the morning, their son Jeff, such a strong Christian man, went to heaven due to COVID. Our own Jay, Roop, his mother, goes to heaven to reunite with his grandmother that he lost eight months ago, both of them, to coronavirus. Now together on the shores of heaven, but so many in his family broke in this side of heaven. It's not just our church. It's our county. 
Lisa gets up as she had every weekday morning her husband had gotten up several hours earlier as he always did he was an early morning runner but he would always get back in time to fix her her coffee before she went to work but this morning she noticed that he wasn't back and her coffee wasn't made so she figured probably something held him up so she goes into work she has to use old route 11 because route 11 is blocked and after she got to work she found out that her husband Perry was in an accident and tragically did not survive this afternoon a family of first responders who protect you and I will grieve over the loss of one of their own. Tuesday morning, I watched devastation firsthand. It was shocking. Thursday morning, I watched devastation firsthand. And I'm sure, I'm confident I've missed someone that is in this room that has experienced tragedy or maybe watching online. I told Sandra this week, I'll be honest with you, I told her the other day, I said, in 27 years of pastoral ministry, I have never had one week where there was so much pain and devastation. I'm telling you today, I didn't come for a revelation. I come crying out for Jesus to touch me. That's what I've come for today. I've come seeking for Jesus to touch me. That's what I need. I always need a word. <laughs> always need a word. Always need a revelation. But somehow this morning, more than a revelation, Jesus, I just, I just need your touch. Now's not the time to be politically correct. Whatever your opinions are, now's not the time. Grab your mask in your hand. Well, pastor, what if I mess it up? It'll wash out. You know what? It'll wash out. Whatever you do, don't allow that to keep you from coming to the altar because I just got a feeling in this place there are some people that came today and they just want Jesus to touch them. Shackled by a heavy And now I am no longer 